Well, good morning again. I'm so glad each of you are here. Uh, Specifically, we are in week two of a series we're calling Transformed. And I'm glad you're here to hear this one. Um, And here's the reason why. Because I believe with all my heart that today, God is going to give you a different perspective in the way that you see your circumstances. How how many of you know that God, we, we see throughout the scriptures, He transformed people's lives, but that today He is still in the transforming business. And that today, the power that went through the disciples and the power that went through the prophets and the power that went through His Word to change lives is still not just applicable, but just as powerful today as it was back then. So when we read the Scriptures, we're not reading a history book just for the sake of reading something that happened back then. If, if that's the case, then the Apostle Paul said that we're to be pitied because we're here basically using it as a crutch. But that's not what I believe, and I have the feeling I'm in a room full of people that believe the same as me and that God's power is still available to us today to transform lives. And today, we're going to be talking about the power of perspective to live out this transformed life that you have in Christ Jesus. And I just want to ask a question as we get started. How important is the perspective that you have in life with the circumstances that you're going through? It's pretty big, isn't it? Let me, let me tell you a story. There was a, a 19-year-old girl who just went to college for her very first semester, graduated high school, went to college, and the semester was coming to an end, and she was getting ready to go spend Christmas with her parents. And before the semester ended, almost ended, she, she, she said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and write a letter to my parents. And so she read the letter. She wrote a letter. I want to read it to you. And this is what she wrote. Dear Mom and Dad, just a quick note to tell you how excited I am about the semester break that's coming up. I also figured that since I was writing, I would share some of the good news that happened this semester. First, it turns out I'm not pregnant. And my boyfriend is not a felon after all. They were just misdemeanors. The dorm fire was really big, but everybody got out alive. And come to find out, I found a great off-campus apartment with some great roommates. Todd, Jack, and Mike, they're great guys. You're going to love them. Can't wait to see you and spend Christmas together. Signed, your loving daughter. A little bit further down, P.S., there was never any question that I was pregnant. I don't have a boyfriend. There was no dorm fire. There's no off-campus apartment. I just wanted you to know that I got a D in my history class, and I wanted to put it in perspective for you. (laughs) How important is perspective? Perspective is really important, and not only is it important in a situation like that, perspective is extremely important in the way you see your circumstances that you go through in life. And when we're in this series, Transformed, we're talking about the power to have godly perspective, because God is still in the transforming business, but when He transforms our lives, we have to have His perspective to actually walk in that transformed life. If you believe that, say amen. We all have a certain angle that we think through. We all have a certain bent that our minds take primarily. And that has everything to do with the way you were brought up. It could have something to do with your personality. But when you're transformed by God, we have to have the perspective of God. We can't walk in a transformed life that God gave us and think through our own unique perspectives at the circumstances we go through. If we want to walk a transformed life by God, we have to have the perspective of God. So today we're going to talk about how to get God's perspective as part of a transformed life. Now, if anybody was able to talk about perspective when it comes to God, it was the Apostle Paul. 
Now, Paul was a man who went through all kinds of troubles. He went through beatings. He went through shipwrecks. He went through in, being imprisoned wrongfully and, and being stoned at one point. Now, this was a man who is responsible for writing a lot of the New Testament. He gave his life to Jesus Christ, had a transforming experience that we read about in Acts chapter 9. And when he did that, he began to be completely sold out for God. Well, you know what that meant for him and his culture? It meant trouble. But he had this unique perspective that wasn't his own, and he was able not to let any of that consume his mind. And he wasn't able to just rise above the circumstances. In fact, the Bible talks about the fact that he was able to bring good out of those circumstances. Why? Because he had the right perspective. When he was shipwrecked on the Isle of Melita, uh, he led the inhabitants there to Christ. How? Because he had the right perspective. When he was imprisoned at Philippi, he was in stocks, and he was in prison and beaten, yet he began to have the right perspective, and so he began to praise God. And it come, term, turns out the whole revival started, and people began to give their lives to Jesus Christ because he had the right perspective. He was in prison uh, in his later years as he finished out his life in Rome, wrongfully accused again. Now, at this point, he had started all kinds of churches. He had given his life to Jesus Christ. He was at the end of his years, and he was in prison again. Now, a lot of us would say, you know what? The guy just deserves a break. Let him just chill for the rest of his years. But that's not what he did. He began to write, and in fact, a lot of what he wrote during that time is a lot of the letters that we have in the New Testament of the Bible today that we read, that we gain from, that we have uh, encouragement from and instructions on how to live. Why? Because there was a man who was going through hardships, but he had the right perspective, and God began to do something great in his life. God wants to do something great in your life. You may think that your, your situation outweighs you, and you're not going to be able to get on the other side of it. But let me tell you, I believe with all my heart that God wants to give you the right perspective today, that when you walk out of the room, maybe you're still going to be facing those same situations, but he's going to be able to let you look through a new lens and to be able to see that you know what God is with you and that God can bring good from this, and you can keep going and live the transformed life that God wants you to live. So I want to take a few minutes, and I want to look at a few things that, that Paul said, okay, when it comes to being transformed and having the right perspective. Are you with me? Everybody say number one. If I'm going to have God's perspective, I must understand that transformation starts in my It starts in my mind. Your thoughts are powerful. When you have the right perspective, that means your thoughts are headed the right direction. Everything that comes into being starts with your thought life. Everything. When you look around you, everything that exists started with a thought. If you think about an architect who is planning blueprints for a big building, he doesn't just mindlessly throw things onto paper. He imagines it first. There are thoughts that formulate in his mind, and he begins to imagine what this might look like, and that begins to transfer to the page. Uh, let's, let's make it a little practical. When you get out of debt, that's not something that you do just mindlessly. It doesn't just start with the physical action. It solidifies in your mind when you decide through your thought processes that this is who I want to become, that this is what I want to do. And then when you have the right thoughts, it filters its way into your behavior. The right thoughts, the right perspective is critical. Your thought life is powerful. In fact, Paul tells the Roman church in chapter 12, verse 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind. He's saying it's not about behavior modification. It's about thinking the right thoughts and having the right belief. And once you think the right thoughts and believe God the right way, your behavior will follow suit. And your life begins to become what you think. 
If you want godly perspective, then you have to learn to look through a lens of godly perspective to the life circumstances that you're going through and do it His way. He said, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. What's the next word? His. Say it with me. His. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. There are, there are many ways that you can think about your life. There are so many different angles that you can think about the perspective. But until you learn to experience life through his perspective, you're going to be limited. The thoughts you dwell on are powerful. And that's a critical part of you living out the transformed life that God wants you to live. Did you know years ago, diet companies began to understand that it wasn't just about losing weight. But after the weight was, was kind of taken off, the person really had to do the internal work to make sure that weight stayed off. It wasn't just about a one-time event. It was about having the right mindset about what I want to be. Maybe it was when I look in the mirror, I want to I be satisfied with myself. Or, or maybe I want to be around so that my kids see me. It was a health thing. Whatever it is, it was a mental process, not just the fact of getting the weight off. And they begin to understand that in order for someone to follow that, uh, that lifestyle all the way out, it was here. And when you begin to follow this transformed lifestyle of Jesus Christ all the way out, it starts in your thoughts. You can't think negative, ugly thoughts that don't line up with the Word of God and expect for that to be, for, for who you become walking out of transformed life to be something different. If, if you want to live out a godly transformed life, you have to have godly perspective. And so it starts with your mind. One of the ways you get there is to develop proactive thinking. Proactive thinking. You know what that means? That means that I have a pattern of thinking where I'm in control of what I dwell on, not my circumstances. Some, some of you today are going through some circumstances that it keeps your mind spinning. Am I talking to anybody in the room? But when I develop a proactive thinking a, to gain a godly perspective, I begin to think a little differently. I, begin, you know, I can't control what comes in my head, but I can control what I let dwell there. And Paul had an interesting approach on this. He told the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, he said, take captive. Say captive. I'm going to make you talk today. Captive. Isn't that an interesting way to put that? Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Put it in chains. Put it in handcuffs. Throw it in the back seat and take it to jail. I mean, <laughs> take captive every thought. When you take something captive, you decide where you take it. Have you ever seen uh, an episode of Cops where the policeman throws the bad guy in the back seat and then gets in the car and turns around and says, where to? I mean, no, he doesn't do that. He takes him downtown. Like, he already knows where he's taking him. And he's going to submit him to the judicial system. And what happens to him is determined by the judicial system. Not him. It's by something that's already in place. In the same way, your thoughts, you have to submit them to the Holy Spirit. When they come into your mind, you, man, I, I thought some things this morning. I thought, man, am I even saved? There are some things that go in my mind sometimes that you can't help that. But you can help what you dwell on. And what you dwell on becomes your belief, and what you believe becomes your behavior. And so what comes in your mind, he says, look, take it captive and submit it to the Holy Spirit. So um, I have this thought come in my mind. Do I dwell on it? Well, that's not up to me because I'm submitting it to the, to the standard of God's word. And I never have to figure out whether this is something that I need to dwell on or not. Why? Because God is, is with me, and he is my standard. And so he says, take every thought captive. Is it worth dwelling on? Well, I don't know. Let's line it up with God's word. Apply that to your life. How, how many of you are going through situations right now where your thoughts are running you rather than you running them? 
and, and we, stay, we stay caught up and consumed in the worry of the thought rather than submitting our worry to the power of the Holy Spirit and lining it up against his word. Because I want to worry about some things right now in my life, and you probably do too. But Jesus said, you know what, don't worry. Which, by the way, was not a suggestion, it was a command. He said, don't worry, because worrying can't add a single, single, single inch to your height, not, a, not one day to your life. Who by worrying can do that? He commanded us not to worry. Why? Because he is our provider. And so when we decide that we're going to take worrisome thoughts, we've actually taken ourselves out of the comfort, the encouragement, and the truth of what God offers us. The Bible says in Romans, it's interesting, Paul said that we can do that long enough or we'll actually exchange the truth for a lie and begin to believe something that's not even true. Why? Because it started here. Take thoughts captive. Submit them to the Holy Spirit. The perspective you choose will determine the reality of your transformation. You want to walk out a transformed life? Then choose godly perspective. Romans 8, 6, Paul said, If a person's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, there's death. But if his thinking is controlled by the Spirit, there's, there's life and peace. So he's saying, you know what? You, you really get to decide this. Are, are you going to measure your thought life up against the perspective of God's Word? Are you going to be in control of your, your thought life? Or is your thought life going to be in control of you? Now, if you're like me, with a little bit of ADD mixed in there, <laughs> you got a lot of thoughts going through your head. And I heard somebody say this. I thought it was very interesting. I can't control which, which birds fly over my head, but I can control which ones I let make a nest in there in my hair. <laughs> and that's like your thoughts. You can't control what pops in your head, but you can control what you dwell on. And what you dwell on becomes your reality. And what your reality is becomes your, your behavior. Let me, let me tell you something that happens when you begin to gain godly perspective and you begin to filter every thought you have through the word of God. You're going to have what I like to call the power of comparison. The power of comparison. It, it's the secret to godly perspective in your thought life. Paul was boasting about his previous life. This guy was, was one of the best of the best in rule keeping. And before he had the transformation of, of knowing Jesus Christ and letting him transform his life, he was the best at the best at being religious. If he was alive today, he'd be here at every service. He'd be serving in ministry. He would be giving. He, he would be doing all these things. So on the outside, you would think, man, he is, he's really something. And he said, I, I could boast in all that. But listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3. He tells the church this, verse 7 and 8. Everything else is worthless. When compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Does the sin you struggle with seem good to you at the time you give in? Everybody shake your head, yeah. That's right, thank you. That's very. We wouldn't do it if it didn't feel good. But Paul would argue maybe it's because we haven't adequately sized up the what's good in that sin compared to the goodness of knowing Jesus Christ. And so if we never compare it to the goodness of knowing Jesus Christ, then the goodness of the sin will always seem better. How, how, your problems are always going to seem big to you until you compare them next to Jesus Christ, until you compare them to the power of God. If you, don't comp if you have nothing to compare them to, then it's always going to seem to overtake you. 
But the power of comparison says, I go to God and say, God, give me the perspective. I need to get into your presence and begin to understand once again in my human self that, you know what, the spirit inside of me is bigger than my flesh nature. The part that wants to worry, the part that wants to fear, the part that wants to, to go out in the left field whenever I feel like it. But when I can get into your presence, something begins to happen in my spirit, and I begin to become aware of something far greater than my own self. And then I begin to compare, and I say, you know what, it's not worth it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. It was this type of mentality that enabled him to tell the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. Listen to what he says. It's crazy. He says, for our light and momentary troubles. Now, this is the, what kind of troubles is he talking about? He's talking about being shipwrecked. He's talking about beatings and wrongful imprisonment. Remember those? Light and momentary. Man, what, what in the world would go through his mind to make him see those things as light and momentary? He said, you know what, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Was he nuts? Because I could, I could probably talk to some of you in the room today, and you could look at me, and you could tell me some things that are going on in your life, and we both would say, you know what, none of those are light. I could, I could tell you some things right now you cry over. You know what, Pastor Ryan, that's not light. That's heavy stuff. And we look at Paul, and he's like, yeah, I, I was beaten. I was, I was shipwrecked. I was wrongfully imprisoned. And more than that, you know what, but... Man, compared to the eternal glory that's coming, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's light. It's momentary. W- would you call what Paul went through light? I mean, there's, there's nothing light about losing a loved one. For some of you, that, that's a reality. There, there's nothing light about having your spouse walk out. For some of you, that's a reality. There's, there's nothing light about needing a healing and, and, and not knowing the answer of if that's going to happen or not. There's nothing light about that. He, he wasn't saying these things are light and temporary alone. He was saying they're light and they're temporary when I compare them to something else. And so if you want godly perspective of your circumstance, then you've got to think outside of the box of your circumstance and think inside of the power of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to accomplish in your life and what he's already accomplished. And when you begin to compare your situation to the power of God, it doesn't mean your situation goes away. It doesn't mean you swing it under the rug and develop this Christianese vernacular. That's called religion. That's called fake. Nobody wants that. But what it means is you may have to walk that same path, but God walks alongside of you now. And you begin to see your circumstance next to his power and next to his promises. And I just got to tell you, when you get into the presence of God and you begin to understand his power and his grace and his ability... Man, your, your circumstances, they, they may overtake you, but they're one, they're light compared to his power, and two, they're temporary because there's something far greater that's coming. He goes on to say, we, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If you want to live a transformed life, you, you've got to understand you need godly perspective, and it starts in your mind. It starts in your thought life. It starts in the way you think. Am I going to let my thoughts take me, or am I going to take them? And some of you may be going, you know, I've, I've got a hard circumstance, Pastor Ryan. I, I have no idea how to change that. I have no idea how to think differently. I hear what you're saying, and it sounds good. And it, like, I get goosebumps, like just thinking about that, because God is real. God is good. But how do I change? Can I give you three kind of really practical things that you can do? Nod your head. Yeah, here we go. Number one is this. Commit to look past the bad to the good. That, that, that sounds like a crutch in a, little, in, a, in a way, but 
The Bible says look past what you currently see to something that you may not see yet. Look past the bad to get to the good. I, I remember when my youngest son was five. Uh, he's nine now. Uh, but when he was five years old, he, we were at the dinner table one day, and he looked down at his plate, and he looked at me, and very confidently and boldly he proclaimed, Dad, I'm allergic to these vegetables. He maintained that for a few years. Like, I'm allergic to these. And I'm like, no, you're not. Eat your vegetables. And if you go into shock, we'll take you to the hospital. But you're eating those green beans, buddy. And so sometimes it would take, like, literally an hour before he would eat all of them. But I was more stubborn than he was, and he figured it out later. But we went through a little season where, man, he wouldn't want to eat his vegetables. But it was interesting what would happen on the nights that I said, hey, everybody, we have dessert after supper. His eyebrow, like, went up. <laughs> he was like, dessert? All of a sudden, the green beans were still bad, but they weren't that bad. They were doable. Why? Because there was ice cream cake coming. He was able to see past the bad to be able to get to the good. And I think some of us, we, we can't see godly perspective because all we can see is the problems that we're facing that are right in front of us. And what God is saying is, you know what, what, what if I want to bring good out of this? And you just can't see it yet, but there's something good that I want to bring out of it. But you're so focused on what you're going through that you can't even begin to fathom what I want to bring out of it. And so all your thoughts are just dragging you down. Do you think if you knew the good that God could bring out of your situation that seems to overtake you now, if you understood the good, do you think it would change the way you think about it? Paul was writing a letter to a man named Philemon. And Philemon had a slave, and the slave's name was Onesimus. And Onesimus had stolen from him and ran away a thousand miles to Rome. And he gets there, and he runs into this guy named the Apostle Paul. <laughs> And he, did a, he, he had a major crime. He was an outlaw, and he ran, he ran to this guy named Paul. And under Paul's ministry, Onesimus gets saved, the runaway slave. He has a transformed life. And not long after that, Paul says, you know what? you got to do the right thing. you got to go home, and you got to own up to what you did. And I'm going to write a letter for you, and I'm going to write it to your master, and I want you to give it to him whenever you get there. And that's where we have the book called Philemon. Philemon was his master. And this is, what, this is what Paul told Philemon in, chapter, in verses 15 and 16. He says, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while, and I like the way he says that. He didn't say, you know, perhaps the reason uh, why he ran away and stole all your money, he's like lighting it up a little bit. He was separated from you for a little bit, right? That perhaps the reason why he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. And I love that because you know what? He was ticked off when he found out that the man stole his money and ran away. Not only that, but he was probably embarrassed because, you know what, in that culture, I'm not saying it's, it's right, in that culture, slavery was a big thing. 25% of the population were slaves back in the Roman Empire in that time. And they took a hard line to that kind of stuff. He's probably embarrassed. And, but Paul writes to him and he says, see the phrase, Perhaps the reason. You, you may not understand it. You may not see it. You may not feel it. But, but perhaps the reason that he was separated from you is so that something good could come out of this bad situation. Onesimus did a bad thing. He ran away. He stole. He was a thieving slave. It's appropriate for him to be held accountable, would you say? It's appropriate for Philemon to be ticked off. It's appropriate for him to want to really hold Holds him to the line. 
But Paul says, you know what, perhaps the reason is so that something good could come out of this. And he, he, he didn't say don't hold them accountable. He just said don't stop there. I want you to look beyond the bad because there could be something good that could come out of it. And he goes on to suggest some of them. So, you know, maybe after all this is settled, you know, you, you, you're not just going to have him back, but he's going to be your brother. <laughs> you, you're, this is a man who, who gave his life for Jesus Christ. He has been a tremendous help to me. And, and I know that should you get through this, have the right perspective that something good is going to come out of this on the other side. The, the new relationship is going to be better than the old one. And put yourself in Philemon's shoes. What, what do I do? do? Do I do what society tells me to do? Do, do I hold a hard line? Or do I do what I know to be true? Philemon was actually a leader of the church at Coloss. The church met in his home. So what, what is he? There's no, no win here. Imagine what was going through his mind. Imagine what was going through Onesimus' mind. Put yourself in his shoes. He's got to travel, you know, a thousand miles. He's come to Christ. He's had this transforming power of God come through him. He's a new man. Paul says if you want to be totally free, go back and make things right. Go resolve the issue. And you know what? The whole thousand-mile journey, he's got to be thinking, this guy's going to kill me, which he had every right to do. He could ex- have executed him right there on the spot. At the very least, he was looking at him branding his forehead with a mark that said fugitive. And he'd have, born, he'd have had that mark on him for the rest of his life. See, what, what, is it hopeless what I'm doing? Do I even have, uh, is, there a, is there a win situation in this for me? And I just want to say it again, slavery is horrible no matter what, how you look at it. But I've, I want to tell you, every kind of slavery is horrible. And some of you feel like a slave to your situation right now. You, you can't figure it out. You're facing something and there is no easy answer. Can, can I just get raw and real with you for a minute? Sometimes our situations are like shoveling from crap piles. No matter which way you shovel it, it's still crap. And, and that may be where you are. You just feel like a slave to it. You know what? There is no easy answer for this. There is, there is nothing good that can come out of this. Unless you believe principle number two, and that's this, believe that there is good to look towards. You may not be able to see it from where you are. Believe it. Isn't that the whole foundation of the Christian faith? The word there is faith. <laughs> the definition is I, I believe something before I see the evidence of it. How many of you have ever seen Jesus Christ in person? I haven't. I mean, like physically with my eyes, I haven't. Have you ever audibly heard the voice of God with your ears? No. But I believe that Jesus came and died for me. I believe that with my whole heart, and the Holy Spirit confirms it in my spirit. I believe it. Are you believing that God can do something good in your situation? If you don't believe that God can bring good from your situation, then not only will you not look for it, but you're not going to see it if it bit you in the rear end. But it's there. Sometimes it's right there in front of you, but you can't see it because you're so focused on how bad you have it. Um, have you ever had car fever and you wanted a certain kind of car? Maybe when you were younger or maybe you're like going through a midlife crisis right now and you've been Googling it and like all your, all your tabs on your Chrome are like that car. Don't look at me like I'm stupid. You know, it, you know it's true. And you have your, your mind fixated on having this car. And when you finally decide that that's what you want, every intersection you pull up to, it's like there's four of them. And you're like, where did all these come from? Everybody just decided today to be like me. Or was it that they were there the whole time? You just couldn't see it. But when your perspective changed, all of a sudden you can see something that's in front of you that was there the whole time, but you didn't see it before. 
And when you focus only on the bad in your life, when you focus only on your circumstances, you lose godly perspective about what's right there in front of you, the good that God could bring out of it. God is at work in your life, and if you'll hold to that and believe it, then you know what? The perspective changes everything. Paul told this man, Philemon, he said, you know, you're probably focused on on how ticked off you are that Onesimus left you. (laughs) When you're reading this letter and he's standing in front of you, you're probably mad that he left. I'm sure his actions cost you. But maybe there's another way to look at this situation. God's way. And here is that way. He tells the Roman church in 828, he says, and we know that all things, say all things, not 98% of things, not 20% of things, not things only when you think it should go a certain way. All things work together for good to those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. And I just got to tell you, that verse takes faith sometimes. Because when you're going through the thick of it, you're not seeing that all things are working together for good. You're seeing that all things are working together for my demise. You're seeing that, you know, I don't see how I'm going to get out of this. I don't see how they're going to get out of it. I don't see how the relationship will ever be restored after what they did. Or maybe you're guilty today and you're just like, after what I've done. I don't see how anything could ever change. Do I, are you going to believe that? Is your perspective going to change from, from your own thoughts holding you captive to you holding your thoughts captive and say, you know, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I believe God at his word when he says that all this is working together for my good. Not just because, but because I love him. And I'm called by him according to his purpose. And my life is actively pushing towards him. And I'm trusting him, and I'm having faith, and I've put the ball in his court. And so I don't care what it looks like around me. I believe that it's all going to work out for my good. And Paul was telling Philemon, look, God didn't cause this thing to happen, which we can so easily blame God for sometimes when we feel like like the heat of it. God, why why did you cause this? Why did you allow it? Look, God didn't cause it, but he sure doesn't want to waste it. And he will take these things that seem like like garbage in your life and he'll work into a pattern of good if you'll believe that's what he wants to do and commit to look past the bad. And when you do that, you'll begin to see things that maybe you didn't see before. Maybe you'll walk down the same path, but now you're looking through a different kind of lens, a godly perspective. That's why Paul told the Philippian church in chapter 4, verse 8, he said, listen, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, kind of goes on and on. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what's the word? Think on these things. Think of them. Cast your mind to things above. Because if you look to the bad, you're going to find bad. But if you look for the good, you could just find something good that God is going to do as well. If, If we release two different kinds of birds and kind of told them to go find what they're going to find, and we released one, a vulture. Around here we call them buzzards. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If we released a, a buzzard and a hummingbird, they're going to look for two different things, aren't they? The, the vulture is going to look for what? Roadkill. <laughs> he's going to go find a raccoon or start eating out of a dead deer carcass. That's what he's going to do. Uh, the hummingbird is going to go look for a flower. The hummingbird is going to go look for something sweet. Why? Why would they go out and find those things? Because that's what they're looking for. That's what they're looking for. And what you look for is what you'll find. What you fixate on is what your brain will be wrapped around and is what you'll see. God wants you to have his perspective. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I hear you and that sounds good, but I don't, I don't know where to go from here. Let me give you number three, and that's simply this. Pray for God's perspective. 
Because one of the cool things that Paul told Philemon whenever Onesimus came home, he says in, in the letter, he says, you know what, I could order you to take him back. I, I could tell you, take him back in love. I, I could order you, take him back as, as, as you would have me back. He said, but I don't want to do that. I want it to come out of your relationship with God. I, I want you to draw near to God to the point that, that you see him and not yourself. Paul understood something important. He, it was amazing whenever you get into God's presence and you begin to develop a relationship with God, how your priorities line up. How the things you thought were right all of a sudden get put on their head when you take a godly perspective. Sometimes even the things that you think you're right in in principle. When, when, when you begin to get into the presence of God and you begin to develop your relationship with Him, He begins to show you that it's about giving, that it's about sacrifice. And he begins to tell Philemon, listen, I could order you to do these things, but, but I know that when you pray, I know that when you draw near to God, that you're going to see what I'm talking about here. And maybe he would tell you that today too. Maybe you would receive that. That, you know, what, I, you, you may not know how you're going to get out of the situation. You may not know what's going to happen, but, but I, I just got to tell you, when you begin to get into the presence of God, he'll show you what to do next. He'll give you the perspective you need. And his word in, in Hebrews comes true when he says, you know what? You, he died for us. Jesus died for us. So now we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find grace and mercy in our time of need. We, we can find it when? When we come into the presence of God and when we pray to him. Philippians describes a peace when we do that, of, of, of when we come to him and pray and when we ask of him and when we give thanks. He, he says, you know what? There's this peace that passes every bit of worldly understanding. And it guards our hearts and it guards our, it guards our minds. It guards our thinking in Christ Jesus. That's what happens when you pray. If you don't know how you're going to get godly perspective about what you're going through because it's irre irreconcilable, you don't know. Pray. Pray for godly perspective. Get into the presence of God. Paul understood that you gain perspective, godly perspective when you pray. I have three boys, and because I have three of them, there's a lot of arguing sometimes that goes on upstairs in the house, and sometimes it, 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 sometimes it gets pretty bad. <laughs> and years ago, I told my boys, I said, listen, I'll, I really want you to work this out, because before they would just kind of handle it themselves, which didn't end up good at all. And so I said, hey, if you need help, come see me. If you, if you come get me first, you know, then I can, I, can, I can help you with this. But if you handle it yourself, you've tied my hands. So then it was like, they just come to me all the time. <laughs> came like a tattletale thing, you know what I mean? And I said, look, you guys have got to work this out. But if you get into the heat of it and you can't figure it out, I want you to come to me. Do not handle it yourself, which typically involves somebody getting punched. <laughs> and I said, don't, don't do that because then you, you've tied my hands again. But come to dad first and then I'll help you. Don't ask questions. Just come to me. Trust me on this, okay? Now, you know what I was doing? I was setting up an environment so that when they got into the heat of their situation and couldn't think straight, they could come to dad and I could let them see it from a different angle. And I, I, could, I could let them see it, not from the heat of the situation they were in, not from the battle, but from an outside of the box perspective where I have total peace. And I know that everything's going to be okay. I say, bud, have you thought about this? I know you're ticked off right now, but have you thought about this? And, and you know what? When we go to God first... We, we get outside of the realm of trying to think through all the details of the situation that has us captive. 
But when we go to God and when we pray, he says, I'm going to give you a perspective that far outweighs your ability to be able to perceive it from where you are. I'll give you an eternal perspective. I'll give you a heavenly perspective. I'll give you a godly perspective. So you know what? You, you may walk away from my presence, and you may not know all the answers, but you'll know your next step. David describes it as, as a, God, your word is like a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, the psalmist wrote. You know what? That means I, I might not be able to see the whole path, but I know what my next step is, like holding a lantern down a path. But you don't get that when you're thinking through it in the heat of your circumstances. If you want to have godly perspective and you don't know how to get it, pray. Get into his presence, and he will give it to you. Now, I just want to give you full disclosure, and I think I've done that, but it doesn't mean that it's going to make it easy for you. I think it's interesting that when Jesus was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit then led him out into the desert to fast for 40 days and to be tempted. Nobody wants to do that. And I don't, the Bible doesn't say it, but I would argue that not even Jesus and his human self wanted to do it. How many of you want to skip lunch today? <laughs> nope. You think Jesus wanted to fast 40 days? You think he wanted to go out in the wilderness and be tempted by Satan? No. I think there's a reason why he was, why he was led by the Holy Spirit. It was hard. And it may be hard for you as you walk out of this room today and not know what's going to happen next. But I want you to know that God can give you a perspective and he can lead you. Most of you are thinking right now about work and family and relationships and, and the, the, the troubles that you're going through and whatever capacity that is. It's deeply personal to you. And it's hard. And I just want to I just want to validate that for a minute. It's, there's nothing easy about walking out of here and applying these principles in terms of your human self. And I, and I don't know how your circumstance will work out. And I'd be willing to bet that you don't either. You know, Jessica and I, we spent the last uh, couple of weeks in a courtroom dealing with custody issues over my four kids. And you know what? Just full transparency, we're still waiting on that. We're still waiting on the ruling from that. I don't know how that's going to end up. But this is what I know. I know God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And my job isn't to have the answers. My peace isn't wrapped up in what outcome may come. My, my peace is wrapped up in the anchor by the name of Jesus Christ. And my job is to take my thoughts and submit them to the power of the Holy Spirit and line them up and, and choose what I dwell on depending on that. What are you going through today? What what, what are you wanting to happen? Is your, is your hope and your joy tied up in a specific outcome? Because I just, need to, I just need to be very real with you right now. There's many people that have gone before us in generations past. There's many people that are even sitting in the very room with you right now. And you know what? Sometimes the outcome doesn't look like what we wanted it to look like. Some, sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer the way we thought that he would answer them. And sometimes we have to face some of the, the most difficult hurt that we've ever faced in our life. Does God love to, to bless us here on earth? Yes, he does. In fact, he says that just like a, an earthly parent loves to give good gifts to their kids, he said, where do you think you got that from? I'm God the Father. I love to give gifts to my kids. But you know what? We don't have glorified minds. I think statistics say we use 3% of our brains, right? 
We can't begin to understand what God does. So my hope's not going to be tied up in some solution. My hope's going to be tied up in the one I know who loves me and died for me. And whether he answers me here or not, my hope's going to be in him. I don't get it all the time. But here's what I know. That there is something so much more final and so much more impactful, something so much more valuable than my prayers being answered on this earth. And I hope they are answered on this earth. I hope your prayers are answered on this earth. But what I'm trying to get you to see is, is if they're not, I want you to know that if you put your hope in Jesus Christ, you have an eternity waiting for you in heaven. And you'll begin to understand if you get a, a godly perspective from this side of things, that your life here on earth, the few short years that you're privileged to live here, is a drop in the ocean compared to an eternity that's coming where the Scripture says that there is no more pain, there is no more tears, there is no more death, and Jesus Christ made it possible for you to do that. The songs we sing about, man, the, the Scriptures we have, it all points to a work that God did and is still doing, aiming us towards eternity. And that's the godly perspective that ultimately you and I need to have here on earth, that we're not made for this earth. And God's going to give us a lot of joy and a lot of peace as we pass through here. But he may or may not answer every single prayer you pray, not in the way you think. The healing that you're after may take place in eternity. The relationship that you want restored may not take place exactly the way you want it to happen here, but it's going to happen in eternity. I know this, God works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So my question to you today is this. Will you have the godly perspective that he wants to give you to be able to see your situation the way he wants you to see it? And whether he answers that prayer here, the way you want him to answer it here, or whether you're looking to something far greater and latch on to Paul's words when he says, you know what, I'm hurting right now, but this is light and it's momentary compared to an eternal glory that's going to far outweigh it all. And maybe today you're here and you, you, you've got some things you're going through, but you know what you've said? You know, I don't have the eternity part worked out yet. I don't know. I'm here today to tell you that, that God loves you and you're sitting here today or you're listening online because, because this, is, this is a divine appointment right now that the God of the universe is saying, I died for you and I want you to choose me. And he doesn't make it complicated. He, too, he does all the heavy lifting. He already did all that. He says, choose me. Believe that I am the Son of God. Believe that my name is Jesus Christ and I came to this earth to die for you because you couldn't do it yourself. Believe that I shed my blood. Believe that I died and I rose to life. Believe that. And believe that you're going to go to heaven one day, not, not based on your own worthiness. Nobody's perfect in the room. How can we expect to stand before a perfect God in a perfect heaven and say, let me in? We need a saving. We need something. And Jesus took care of that when he came and, and lived a sinless life. And he died for you because the Bible says that the, the cost of sin, the cost of our imperfection is death. Jesus paid that. Would you accept him today? That's the first step in your transformation. It's the first step of you having the, the life, the full life that God wants to give you here on this earth. And it's, he's the way, the truth and the life that's going to eventually land you in heaven forever, for all eternity. Maybe that's you. Would you pray with me? Can you just bow your heads? If that's you, just pray this prayer. God, I, I need you. I need saving. I, I, I do okay walking around this planet trying to fix my own problems. But truth be told, I've got a hole in my heart that I can't fill. And I can't imagine 
eternity. I, I, I can't even, there's nothing I can do to bring me there. To heaven. And, and God, I just, I accept you right now. I accept Jesus for his sacrifice on the cross. I accept the fact that he bled for me. And I accept the fact that he died. And I believe that he was raised to life. I believe he is who he said he was. And I'm not perfect. And this doesn't make me perfect. But what it means is that my inside is changed. And I'm starting a new journey starting today. And God, my prayer is that you'll help me every day as I walk forward in this transforming journey. In Jesus' name. Some of you in the room today, you, 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 need a, you need perspective on what you're going through today. Let me pray for you. God, there are people from all, all sorts of life experiences that are sitting in front of me and listening. And I don't claim to know the depths of any of it, God, but I, I know you do. I know you've, you've counted every single second that they've cried and know every single tear. You know the amount of time that they've spent worrying and, and, and you know the outcome. So, Father, my prayer today is not necessarily to meet needs. That sounds kind of weird, but my prayer right now is that you give them the right perspective, your perspective. God, so that whatever your will is for their life, they begin to walk it out, seeing the way you'd have them to see, changing the things that you'd have them to change, and having the capacity to take you in and let their spirit become greater than their flesh nature to think the right thoughts and dwell on the right things and be what your word said, a light in the dark place. That no matter how bad they seem to have it, we, we look at the apostle Paul and it just, we're amazed. We're definitely not calling ourselves apostles, but we know that it's possible for a human being to have God inside of them to the point that they look at their troubles as light and momentary. That takes perspective. Lord, my prayer is that you give it to them in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray all these things, and we, we thank you for the opportunity. Can we say amen together? Amen. Look at me real fast. I'm getting ready to let you go. Thank you so much for coming today. I'm so grateful that you are here. And this is, this is what I know. I know that when you walk out of these doors, God not only has the power to transform your life in a moment, but he has the power to give you perspective to walk out this transformed life in a way that you never expected. Do you believe that? If you're here for the first time today, thank you so much for coming. Don't forget to fill out your Connect card, and as you walk out, everyone's going to be dropping their Connect cards at the back. I want you to take yours to the lobby. We have a gift for you. Uh, just spend a couple of minutes with our VIP folks, and they'll, they'll get you on your way. Um, if you have a prayer request, please write it down. We, we would love to be able to pray with you. This is for everybody in the room. If you have a next step that you want to take or you want to find out more information about our church, take, take a look at that Connect card and fill it out. We would love to help you out. I love you guys so much, and I want you to have a great week as you walk out this transformed life in Jesus. Amen. See you again.